Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. All right, my friends, uh, I'm going to jump right in today. Is that okay with everybody? We are looking at Romans chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to Romans 12. And I really do hope you've been able to start reading uh, with us in this Bible reading plan. And if you haven't, if you maybe you missed last week and you want to start, there's no timetable. There's no tests coming. There's no anything. It's really just for you. We have a belief that reading the Bible is actually good for you. <laughs> I don't know. So we would like for you to just say, hey, the Bible is good. Let's do it. Okay, so I want to begin with giving you a brief overview of the book of Romans, which is really like, how do you do a brief overview of the book of Romans? Well, you do it like this. Check this out. So for breaking down Romans, Romans chapters 1 through 11, they really essentially, Paul is talking about what do we believe? These are our beliefs. And in Romans 12 and 13, he turns the tables a little bit and says, if we believe this, then this is how we ought to live in Romans 12 and 13. And then he ends the book in Romans 14 through 16, talking about, well, how do we relate then? What relationships in our life are really important? He even speaks about some of his own relationships. So if you're just breaking this down real simply, this is what he did. For the first 11 chapters, Paul writes extensively about the things we must believe about Jesus, about ourselves. He writes extensively about our human condition and our need for salvation. And the, he goes to great lengths to talk about all that God has done to save us and through sending his son Jesus. And uh, uh, I think he quite masterfully, if you will, writes these 11 chapters and how we ought to understand who God is and understand who we are as human beings, that we all have a mind, a body, a soul. And he turns his attention in chapter 12. And this is where the turn happens. He says, well, if you believe all of this, if you believe it all, well, then you should live a certain way. There are behaviors that are consistent with believing this sort of stuff about Jesus. And in some ways, I say it like this. If, if you want to know what someone really believes, just simply observe his or her daily life, right? It, it, maybe you could take it a step further, uh, because this is where people call religious fouls, right? Oh, look, hypocrite. They don't really, they don't practice what they preach. You know what I mean? We hear these things in our world today where, where beliefs, beliefs and behaviors don't essentially line up. And if you really want to take it a step further, take extensive notes on your own life, <laughs> What do you do with your life? What do you, how do you spend your money? Uh, how do you spend your free time? What are the things that your mind most freely goes to? What do those things inform you about your beliefs? And so how do our beliefs align with our behaviors, with the, way, the way we live? And so this is what Paul is doing and what he's saying is if we are people who believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that we are people who believe we are in need of a Savior. If we believe that Jesus was indeed the Son of God and that he gave his life on the cross for you and me and that he was, most importantly, resurrected, if we believe all of that, then it should create in us behaviors and ways and rhythms that are consistent with those beliefs, that this would tell the world this is what we actually believe. Are you guys with me? You see why this is important, what Paul is doing? He's laying this groundwork. Like, if this is what you understand, if this is your theology about God, well, then it should actually play out in who you are becoming. So this book ends with some important words in this 14 through 16 about how we relate and act with one another. Paul shares some stories about his own life and even, even kind of elevates some of the relationships in his own life. So I want to get to Romans 12. All that as a way of introduction to kind of get us oriented to what's going on. And, re, and, and this is a response 
to the previous 11 chapters. Here we go. Romans 12, verse number 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Therefore, if we believe all this stuff, this is what he's saying. Therefore, if you believe everything I just wrote about for 11 chapters, it wasn't 11 chapters of him, it was just lots of pages, right? We broke it into 11 chapters. But if you believe everything I've been saying in this letter so far, well, then I urge you, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, if you believe in Jesus and in view of God's mercy, if you believe that God's mercy was for you, this is what he says, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, what, this, is, this is verse one. Like, this is how you ought to live. Okay, this is everything we believe, how you ought to live. Therefore, I want you to sacrifice yourself to God. Now, this is a big thing. He actually says living sacrifice, which if you were reading this at this day and age, like every day people would take the religious kind of duties and the religious sort of rituals where you would go to the temple and you would make sacrifices, right? You would essentially kill something and you would offer something dead to God. <laughs> and he's saying, hey, you know what? I don't want you to be dead. I want you to be alive. So this is good news, right? He says, I actually want you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, which was new language and a new way to understand sacrifice and relationship with God. So it, there's a lot of layers to it, but I'm just touching on that because it's good. It's good. Verse two, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is, this is, this is just phenomenal if you think about it. If this, if this whole turn in chapter 12 is about saying, if you believe all this, then you should live this way. This is how we live. This is how we ought to act as a follower of Jesus. If you believe all these things, then there's only one logical response to if you believe this. First, you offer yourself holy and pleasing to God as a living sacrifice. And then you don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. But instead, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will now think differently about the world around you. This is the only logical, proper, authentic, true way to respond to what we believe. <laughs> what do you do for the person who saved your life? Think about it. Jesus has saved you. He set you free. What do you do in response to that? Well, in some ways, we own everything, right? He wants you to live, though. So he says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. And I want to spend some time, though. I want to spend most, the majority of our time um, talking about verse number two, the first part of verse number two, where it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, we live in a day and an age where this verse is definitely a message, not only to our city, but the cities around the world, is it not? That, that we would no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many would agree that conforming is a daily struggle? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think for most people, there's the, the, the tension between, do I conform to others or do I be myself? You know what I'm talking about? As a Christian, do we conform to the world or are we being conformed to Christ? And instead of conformity, Paul writes, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, in our society, 
in our society, this, this whole idea of renewing the mind, in our, in our society, there is more and more awareness and more and more conversation and subject matter around issues of the mind, is there not? Whether it be anxiety or stress or self-worth issues or fear or discouragement, um, the mind is a battlefield for so many people. And I'm going to jump straight into it because I feel like this is going to be really real for a lot of us. I, I believe that for many in this room, the mind is very much a battlefield for you, day in and day out. And, and, if, and this is a really good thing, what's going on in our culture these days, because I think now more than ever, at least in our lifetime, um, there's a very healthy sort of approach to saying, you know what? It's not just our physical health that matters, but it's our mental health that matters as well. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of emphasis on how we, uh, th- how we think and what we think about and what shapes what we think. And, and Paul actually writes, and this is the thing, it, it, in some ways people talk about it like this is a new subject, but Paul writes so much about the mind. It's like littered throughout all of his letters in the, in the New Testament. He actually talks quite a bit about it in Romans. If you're looking for him to talk about the mind as you read through Romans, you're going to see it everywhere. He just continually talks about the mind, the battlefield of the mind. In fact, Romans 8, 6 says this, the mind... The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit gives life and peace. Now, we've talked about the scripture because it's an amazing scripture. That our mind governed, meaning it's led by the spirit. That kind of mind, that gives life and peace. So here's the thing that's difficult about the subject is we have to start to wrap our minds around what is the mind, (laughs) Right, right, like most frequently when we speak to the mind, we refer to three different things. And let's throw this on the screen here. But we speak of the emotions, the will, and our intellect. Now, I didn't get this out of the book. This just came out of my own brain. So I may have missed something. If someone's out here going, well, in uh, my psychology class, there's one other thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something here. But I'm just going with this as just like my everyday life. That's what I feel kind of going through my mind. And... Uh, Anyway, I want to illustrate this, and I, I need some people to help me out with this. And so there's no talking involved. I just need some volunteers that are willing to say, Tim, I'll help you out. I get it, bro. You need a little help? I'm your man, or I'm your woman. Anybody willing to help? Okay, Quinn, yeah. I'm definitely going to get Steven, Matt Bailey, yeah. And I need, I, I, we need some female representation. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, Tracy, you're right here. Come on. Come on up. Everybody come up. Give them a hand as they come. Thank you guys so much. So turn around here. You're gonna be you're gonna be emotion, Quinn. All right, Tracy. You're gonna be you're gonna be the will, and uh, Matt. What's the other one? You're gonna be the intellect. Mm. <laughs> and then this guy's gonna be the Holy Spirit. I mean, for obvious reasons. <laughs> obvious reasons, right? All right. So here's what we're gonna do. I want you guys to get in a conga line, so to speak. And uh, well, Quinn, you're in. What did I say? You were your emotions, right? Yeah, you be first. Everybody kind of get behind. Let's go sideways, though. Like, you just start here, and then you guys just get behind them in any order. I don't care. Just kind of hands on the shoulder here. And here's the thing. I need you guys to just sort of follow my lead a little bit, all right? So here's the thing. If, if emotions are leading the way, right, here's the thing about our emotions, and I need you to just, you can just start moving as I talk, but if emotions are leading the way, sometimes our emotions are up and down, right? Yeah, they're up and down. They're this. They're this. This is going fabulous. They're this way. They're that way. They're all over the map, right? But that, so when our emotions lead us, they're just, they just kind of, yeah, they just, we might fall down. We might, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of things that happen. But let's just do this a different way. You are your will, right? Mm-hmm. So if our will, is, if our will is leading us and our will gets in, some days, some days our will just doesn't want to do anything. 
just has no willpower. Don't even want to get out of bed. And some days our will, though, is like strong and it moves really, 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 really fast, right? We go really fast with our will because it's like we got to go as fast as we can. Our will is pushing us. And then sometimes, though, sometimes our will has no more willpower. You know what I'm saying? And so when our intellect is leading us, when our intellect is leading, this is, this, is actually the one, this is actually the one that's really scary when our intellect leads us because our intellect, right, our brain, it has so much capacity, doesn't it? And sometimes we're very proud as our intellect. We feel very smart. But then there's, there's these limits. There's these limits with our intellect where we, we hit our wall. We hit a wall really fast. We can't go any further because we've reached We've reached our intellectual capacity and there's a decision that needs to be made and we stop dead in our tracks and we're paralyzed. We can't move forward anymore, right? But now uh, let's do something different. Would you kind of reorder, Stephen, you get in front, Stephen being the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Okay, so here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit, when things are in the proper order, when the Holy Spirit is governing our mind, when, it go- when it's governing our, our, not only our intellect but our will, and our emotions, well, it becomes the filter by the things we feel, the things we want to do, our will, and the things that we, that we think, right? And so it becomes the filter where everything flows through. And so when the Holy Spirit leads, things just become great, Stephen. I don't know what you want to do for that, but it's just a beautiful experience <laughs> when the Holy Spirit is leading because everything is in the proper order because when things are in the wrong order, the right things in the wrong order end up being wrong things, right? Like, just because it's a right thing, intellect is a right thing, when it's in the wrong order, it's going to leave us. You guys are doing fabulous. I mean, I thought you were just going to leave, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is just going to be, like, free. I don't know. Um, anyway, give these, give these three a hand. Stephen, you stay with me. So here's the thing. The idea that we are being spirit-led with our minds is, is important. And I asked Stephen to kind of come up here, and I want you to come over here, Stephen, um, because I wanted him to share just a little bit from his own life because I feel like, you know, he and I have talked a lot of times about his, his, own, his own story, right, that he has this uh, battlefield of the mind going on within his own life, and, and he deals with it, and he's had put a lot of energy into this idea of how do I even— shape my own mind to where it's spirit-led. And so I said, Stephen, would you just give us some practical thoughts? Because sometimes it's like, oh, being spirit-led, that sounds really, like, great, but how do you actually do it? Like, what are some things that actually really make sense? And I feel I've seen this guy, like, take big swings at this. Like, he is, like, pursuing this as best he can. And I thought, dude, just share a few little things that are practical from your own story. So, Stephen, go ahead. Totally. Um, I'm just going to just say a few of these things are pretty tangible. I'm going to be looking at my phone, so just know that. Um, ESPN, go away. <laughs> All right. Um, one of the things I do is I identify and have identified everything that I'm thankful for. And I say it out loud. I actually speak it into existence. Um, I declare out loud who God says I am and who's God, who God's word says that I am. I attempt to win outwardly what Satan is trying to defeat in me inwardly because bringing things into light is where we find victory and freedom. I sit and <laughs> uh, okay, we're good. I would call on my close community and tell them when things fell off or when I just couldn't bring myself um, to get out of bed. I would go to the gym and uh, as, when I'm in good shape physically is when I find that um, Everything else has a domino effect. So then my mental self comes into health. My spiritual self comes into health. And for me, that's all connected. 
I seek counseling. Um, I've searched through many counselors um, to find one that was just a good fit. And um, I finally have found one. Praise the Lord. That's, that's such a blessing. So if you need counseling or if you're thinking about it, go for it, please. Um, one of the things we often do in counseling is we often identify lies and, and chains and things like that that need to be broken. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say about this situation? What do you have to say about me? What's the actual truth? And lastly, I would read God's word and memorize it. Um, and again, ask, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say? Just the practice of memorizing took my brain away from the depressing thoughts, but his word actually sets us free. And so we should memorize it. Mm. That's good, man. Yeah. I mean, there's so much conversation around each one of those things you just said. And I know that we could, could just kind of sit in those. Um, but I want you to also share, because I feel like one of the things we also talked about is it's not just about the things you do to be spirit-led, but sometimes it's about the things you don't do, the things that you reduce in life. And I thought, too, you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that the two, there are two main things that I do um, when I feel, yeah, when, when something needs to reduce in my life. Number one is social media. I'm, uh, sometimes I'm too involved in it. I look at it too much. Uh, one of my love languages is affirmation, right? So a lot of times I'll look to social media for that. And so that's one of the first things that I'll actually try to reduce, whether it's for an hour, whether it's for a day or, or a certain period of time. Um, and then the second thing that I'll do is I actually overexert myself a lot. I overextend myself. I commit to too many things. And so I actually try to reduce the things that, the amount of things that I do. Um, because for me, God says, like, why don't you come rest with me so I can have intimacy with you? And um, so that allows me to, to actually be spirit-led, to hear from him, and to, to walk with him. So good. Thank you, Stephen. We'll give it a hand for Stephen. Really, really appreciate that. Um, some good stuff, and I hope that some of you are just catching some of those things. But in order to renew the mind... Uh, we first have to learn what it means to be led by the Spirit, that a mind governed by the Spirit leads to life and peace. So many of us are letting other things lead us, whether it be our emotions, our will, our intellect. Um, you know, Stephen shared some practical things we do, but also there's a few things we don't do. I'm going to read a passage to you first. Uh, let's go to First Peter uh, chapter 1. He says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Everyone say, fully sober. Fully sober. There we go. Set your hope on the grace uh, to be bought, brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform. This sounds familiar, right? Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you didn't know about Jesus. But just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all you do. Wow. This is some good stuff. Peter uses this interesting description, these words of being alert and fully sober. Check out what he says over in chapter 5, verse 8, same book. Be alert and of sober mind. Everyone say sober mind. He goes on, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering and that the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while 
will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So here we have Peter saying, do not conform to the evil desires that you once had. Be alert and of sober mind. Of course, we hear the word sober, and most of us probably immediately think of the opposite word. Whenever you are not sober, you are drunk. And, you know, so let's think about that. What happens when you're drunk? And I'm pretty sure nobody knows in here, so I looked it up in the dictionary. Um, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it basically says this, that your mind becomes intoxicated, and you lose control of your faculties and your behaviors. Think about that. In other words, you no longer live consistently with your beliefs. Your behaviors change. They don't, they don't, they don't, they are not consistent with, no, with what you believe. This is what, this is what, uh, this is what sin does to This is what conforming to the patterns of this world will do to us. That's what too much of a good thing will do to us. Sometimes it's not just the bad stuff, but sometimes it's the, the fine, things that are fine. There's nothing bad. There's nothing sinful about some things. But too much of a good thing can be, how many, for example, how many of you like dessert? Raise your hand if you like dessert. If you're not raising your hand, I don't know if I can trust a person who doesn't like dessert, but just kidding. Uh, we like cookies, we like cakes, we like whatever it is. Here's the thing. How many of you know that you can't just, you can have too much dessert, right? I mean, if you just ate dessert, I mean, you're going to grow, just probably not in the way you want to grow. You know what I mean? You're going to grow in a different way. But, but here's the thing. There's too much of of, of a good thing at sometimes, and sometimes the patterns of this world aren't bad in and, of, in and of themselves. It perhaps isn't a sin, because it's okay to enjoy dessert. It's okay to enjoy entertainment. It's okay to enjoy sports or social media or hobbies or shopping, and all these things are just fine. Those are good things, but too much of a good thing can become conforming. Are you with me? We can be shaped and influenced by those things on a daily basis more than we are by His Spirit. Many of us can't imagine a normal day going without our social media fix. <laughs> Some of us can't imagine, you know, a, a, you know, a daily or sometimes much, multiple times a day sports download for ourselves. And, and sometimes we can't go a week without a, a Netflix binge or a shopping trip or whatever ways of the world or whatever patterns that we find ourselves needing more than we need the Spirit of God. Some of us can go weeks without the Spirit of God, but we can't go weeks without these things that I'm talking about. There are things in our minds that we are becoming drunk on. We are intoxicating our minds with the wrong substance. This is exactly what the enemy wants to do. So often the battlefield of the mind, anxiety, stress, self-esteem, depression, fears, and especially sin are the things are the things that work our way into our lives and they are connected to the work of the enemy. But the interesting thing about the enemy is, is, is we believe the enemy, the devil, has a lot, of, a lot of power over our minds, but he really doesn't have as much power as we think he does. So sometimes we think, oh, and, you know, the, the enemy's really working against me. And, but I want you to know that the Bible never says, uh, you know, the, enemy, the enemy, by the way, disguises itself quite a bit. Makes himself look like the Lord, but he's not the Lord. So for example, in this passage I just read, and you can put 1 Peter 5 back up there, up on the screen, but it says this, it says, watch out your enemy... It, the, the Bible never says the enemy is a lion. Watch out, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. In our mind, in our mind, our fears are bigger than the mountains. <laughs> our anxiety is crippling. 
We don't believe we can ever get over depression, but there is only one lion. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. Jesus is the one that's bigger than we thought. Jesus is the one that we can overcome anything with. He's the one that gives us the strength that calls that we are now able to be called more than conquerors. Do you understand this? The devil gets too much credit. <laughs> we think when something bad ha- happens, the devil's working against us. Someone gets a flat tire and they go, oh man, the devil must be really working against me. No, 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 it was a nail. There's construction across the street. <laughs> Someone's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, like, oh, I ate three cookies. The devil made me do it. No, no, no. That was you. You, It was delicious. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like we give too much credit to the devil. He's got no power over us. Romans 7, verse 22, Paul talks about the battlefield of the mind in war language. That's why I've been calling it battlefield, right? We read this in Romans 7 this week. For in my inner being... I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers. You know the word delivers, right? Who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So even Paul speaks to this battle that we face within our minds, through our sin, through the patterns of this world. And, and he, de- he depicts it, obviously, through the work of the enemy. But so many Christians, and I, just, I hope you capture this, but so many Christians are drunk, on the, are, they are drunk on the world and they don't even know it. Would you agree with this? We've compromised our beliefs to justify our behaviors. We want more of the world so we actually can't claim more grace. <laughs> I want a little more of the world. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I love what Christine Kane said the other day at a conference here in OKC. She said, when did obedience become legalism? Hmm, that, was, that hit me pretty hard. When did obedience become legalism? You see, the distortion that the enemy does is that the enemy takes things like conforming to the patterns of this world in the name of being, we are allowed to do it. We have freedom in Christ. We're allowed to have a little bit of the world because we want to be free of legalism. We don't want to have all these rules in our life, so we don't need legalism. So we've replaced this obedient nature to be made to look like the righteousness of Jesus. We've replaced it with, the, with giving ourselves the grace to not be obedient. I don't want to be legalistic, but I think I have to take a good look, and all of us do, to see if what we're really doing is actually just being disobedient. If that's too harsh, I didn't say it. Christine Kane did. <laughs> we consume more and more, and we don't even realize it. I was uh, recently helping my grandmother move, and there's countless things in their house that have been there my entire life. Anybody else's grandparents like this? You're like, they have a coffee table that they've been using for 50 years. And it, I mean, I'm not joking. And it looks great. And I'm just thinking, how do you use something for 50 years? You know, I go to Target, they a birthday card. I'm probably coming home with a coffee table. You know what I mean? And then I'm going to say, I need a new rug. That Chip and JoJo rug matches the coffee table. And then I'm going to say, you know what? We got to get rid of the coffee t- table and rug we got last month. Let's just sell it on Marketplace. And it's basically free. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't know how to stop. And our city needs Jesus followers who say enough is enough. 
No more conforming to the patterns of this world. I'm not just talking about consuming too much. I'm talking about whatever patterns of this world that, are, that, are, that you're drunk on, that you need more than you need Jesus. Some things are shaping you more than Jesus is shaping you. And so we want to renew our minds. First, we've got to be led by the Spirit. Second, we've got to have a sober mind, one that's not drunk on the world. And lastly today, I want to encourage you that renewal of the mind is a daily thing. It's not some, it, it can happen. There can be big breakthrough. There can be moments that I'm hopeful some of you might even have today or soon. But we must give more of ourselves to God every day. We must set our minds on Christ every day. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in our heavenly call, calling. <laughs> he, dis, he does this a lot, doesn't he? Therefore, therefore, Holy brothers and sisters who share in our heaven, God, do you want Jesus? Or are you going to, I mean, are you saying you're going to heaven? Well, then fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. It's the only reasonable and logical thing to do. Think about it. Consider all that Jesus has done for us. Why wouldn't we give him our life? Why wouldn't we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? Why wouldn't we fix our thoughts on Jesus? Think of all he's done. Let's just say you save someone's life. They're drowning. You save them. The person probably that gets saved comes out of the water and says, thank you, thank you. I owe you my life. This scene plays out in movies all the time, right? I'm not a Star Wars nerd, but I like me some Star Wars. I mean, who doesn't like a good lightsaber fight? But do you know why Chewbacca is so dedicated to Han Solo? <laughs> Han saved Chewie from slavery. Did you know that? Chewbacca was a slave, chains on him. And Han came and took the chains off and freed him. And Chewbacca said, I owe you my life because it was the only logical thing to do. It was the only logical thing to do. He dedicated his life to the service of Han Solo because he saved him, he set him free. And here we are being saved and set free by Jesus, the one and only Jesus. And we struggle to give ourselves and to fix our minds on him. And we get drunk on the world instead of drunk on the spirit. You know, in Acts 2, whenever it says, oh, well, look at these guys, they're all drunk on the spirit. It's okay, we can have a little bit too much of the spirit, I guess. I don't know. But today, today, I want to read a passage to you. I got some other things. Philippians 4 says this, be cheerful with joyful, joyous celebration in every season of life. Remember, this is a daily thing. Let joy overflow for you are united with the anointed one, Jesus. Verse 6, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Oh, I thought we were that's all I do is I'm worried. And then he says, but be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Offering your faithful request to God with an overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real and honorable and admirable and beautiful and respectful and pure and holy and kind and fasten your thoughts 
on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Amen? Amen. It's the only sensible thing to do. It's the only thing that makes sense. And I believe if you believe in Jesus, if you believe and you want Romans 1, 2 to kind of be your reality, well, it just makes, it just makes so much sense. 1 Timothy 1, 7. Am I giving you enough verses today? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and, and of, and, and of a, a sound mind. You understand that's what God gave you. He gave you not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and, and, of, and a sound mind. Think about this. How many times does, do we feel like we don't have any power? Like our will is like, I have no willpower left. I can't get up out of bed. I can't keep going. I can't keep dealing with this. And God's like, I didn't give you that kind of power. I gave you something else. How many says, I can't give any more love. I'm so spent, I'm done. And he says, I didn't, I didn't tell you to kind of pull love up out of your own emotion or your own will or your own intellect, but I actually gave you a kind of love that you know nothing about. It's because I first love you that you have the love. It's not the power that you have in yourself. It's the power that you have in Jesus. Jesus that you need to be leaning into. This is what he's talking about. And he says, and then on top of all of that, I give you a sound mind, one of self-discipline, one of self-control. I give you that. That's what we have, but yet we sometimes trade it in for the trick, the one that's walking around like a lion that isn't actually a lion. We need to actually go to the lion and say, Lord, I need your power and your strength. Hmm. So today I know that I could probably mention 20 or 30 different things that some of you are going through in your battlefield of your mind. I could talk about everything from worry and stress and exhaustion and fears and isolation and defeat and confusion and boredom. Some of you are bored. I could go on and on. And today I just thought about this. I mean, what are we gonna do with this? And I just wanna offer prayer for you. I want anyone and everyone to come and be prayed over that would say, I need the renewal of my mind. We don't, we don't lose anything in praying for one another, by the way. We don't lose anything, but we could, we could gain everything. I and some others, we're gonna be up near the front and uh, we'd love to pray with anyone and everyone that would say, I truly want to live what I believe. I wanna grow. I wanna be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I want that. And I just want you to know, you don't have to be at a DEFCON 10 in the battlefield of your not, of mind to get prayer. Sometimes we don't go to prayer until we, we have no other options. What if the first option, what if you're at level one, like, ooh, what if the first thing was, ah, oh, I gotta go to the Lord. We go to every other thing first. We go to everything first before we go to the Lord. And then when we're most desperate, we cry out and say, God, will you help me now? And he's like, oh, I tried to help you back then whenever you weren't drowning yet, but I was already offering help, but you thought everything else could help you before me. Listen, I wanna say, I believe in all types of, of mental health remedies and, and help. I, I believe in, in regular counseling and therapy. I believe in times medication is helpful. I believe uh, I believe going to the spa is good. You know what I mean? Go get your massage. I don't care. Whatever you need to do to replenish, I believe in good friends. I believe in a church community being in your life, not around your life, but in your life. I believe that that does so much for the renewal of your mind. I believe in the good, in the good of so many things. But, but I want you to, uh, and I, so I don't want you to hear a pastoral sermon that says, hey, if you're dealing with 
with the battlefield of the mind issues, then you need to pray more and have more faith. That's not what this is about. There's a whole bunch of other things. Some of you are like, I, I need more than that. And I understand that, but I also want you to hear, I'm never gonna shy away, never gonna shy away from calling us to greater faith and to greater prayer. Never gonna happen because here's what I know. I know that that's where the battle begins, that every battle for your mind, every bet struggle that you face, every renewal that you need in your life belongs to the Lord. You understand that everything you face, it begins with Jesus. And so I say to you, we offer prayer today, and it's not a, tr it's not, it's not a trivial thing. It's a serious thing. It's a real thing. No matter if you're level one or level 10 or just, in the, just the pure desire that I want renewal of my mind, well, why wouldn't you start with prayer? So God renews minds, he breaks addictions, he sets us free from worry, and he delivers us from sin. So we're gonna worship and we have a few songs and we're gonna pray and, and you may feel comfortable just staying right where you're at and saying, Lord, I'm gonna pray and that's what I'm gonna do today. Or you may come and say, would you pray over me? And we have a team here to do that. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.